Welcome to the Lifetime at Work podcast, episode number 11, the podcast where we talk about our careers and what work life is really like, the good, the bad, and everything that we're trying to achieve. We spend so much of our lives at work, how do we make the time count? My name is Greg Martin, and I have over 10 years' experience in the investment banking world, and now I am the co-owner and CEO of a food business called Farmer. And every week on this podcast, I talk to guests from the business world about the happiness, challenges, and meaning they get from their jobs. The goal is to help build more meaning, more purpose, and more fulfillment into your work. This episode is great because we are talking about athletics and sports, and I have on as a guest a two-time Olympian, and he is talking all about the career and what he wants to do next. It's really interesting, so let's get the intro music started and get going. If you'd like to follow the podcast and you are a fan, you can go to lifetimeatwork.com and follow it, see all the past episodes, subscribe on your favorite platform, do all that great stuff. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Farmer Prepared Meals. It is the prepared meals company that I own and run, and we are now delivering across the GTA. We have a ton of new menu items. It's really interesting. It's really cool. We're doing a lot of fun stuff in the kitchen here, and we're Everyone is all over these meal kits lately, and our food is actually so much easier because you don't have to cook it, and there's so much less waste and garbage and all that sort of stuff. It's just a complete meal you can heat up, you can spice it up, add something if you want, but you don't need to. Everything is kind of right there. Most things are designed for two people. We've got a few bigger items that are more family style for three or four people, and it's all really affordable stuff and and, and really great tasting made by real chefs and that'll work it in our kitchen. So check it out, farmr.ca. And as a thank you for listening to the podcast, if you use the promo code I know Greg, you'll get a, a certain percentage off. It, it sort of varies depending on what we can offer at the at the current time, but there'll always be there a discount for you. Just use I know Greg at checkout and thanks in advance for listening to the podcast and, and ordering a meal. My guest this week is Andrew Poget. He is a two-time Olympian, a three-time world medalist, and he has done it all in the figure skating world. He's an ice dancer. And his partner has been Caitlin Weaver through all this time. And he's done a ton representing Canada and and through his career. He's been on Battle of the Blades. He's just been this figure skating personality in Canada for a long time. I mean, he's, he's 33 years old now. And it's really cool in this conversation that we're about to have. We talk a lot about that career and his career in athletics and, and what it took and the dedication to get to the Olympics twice and all that is just sort of wrapped up in in that fulfillment and what it means to do that as, as your career and, and your life. But then we start to talk about what he wants to do next and what else he wants to achieve through his lifetime and through his career. And it's a lot more than figure skating. In many ways, he feels like he's accomplished a lot of the things that he's he's meant to do through figure skating. But there's a lot more that he wants. And he's been on this search to try to figure out, OK, what do I do next? And he wants to do more, but he's not quite sure what, or at least he wasn't. And he has an idea now and he has a path. And so we talk all about that in this conversation. It's really cool because he's had what is a long career in figure skating and athletics, and now he's trying to do it again. So here's my conversation with Andrew Poget. Well, hi, Andrew. Thanks for joining me on the Lifetime at Work podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, join on this wonderful podcast. 
There's a ton to talk about, um, and I wanted to almost split this up into two, where we sort of begin talking about your athletic career and your what your life has been like so far, and you have a bunch of sort of new plans and things you're working towards as well, which um, which we want to get into. But I thought, you know, sort of starting at um, where you've come from and what you've been spending the last, I guess, I, I think I was reading you started started kind of skating when you were seven. Correct. Right. Yeah. I, I started skating uh, at a young age. Yeah. Um, and so, I, so it's kind of been your life for a while. And yeah, exactly. I've kind of lived a, an entire career and lifetime in, in that realm of sport already. Yeah, no kidding. So um, I, honestly, my first question that I, that keeps coming to mind is, is, is what makes someone a good kind of figure skater, uh, ice dancer? Is it, is there natural like physical things that you need or is it well you know i think figure skating is such a unique sport in the yeah. fact that it uh bridges the gap between art and athleticism right um so you have to be kind of open to being uh vulnerable and free and and open to judgment but at right. the same point you have to be driven you have to have athletic ability and you have to have that, uh, that, uh, sustainable and focused, um, drive day in, day out, uh, to be able to achieve, um, excellence. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting because now, so do you consider yourself now, I mean, you're, you're sort of, I guess, retired from the competitive world of it, right. But you're still, you're obviously skating and you're still definitely involved in that world a lot. Is that, is that kind of a good characterization? Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, officially retired. We we did take uh, take a step back from uh, competition for the time being. Um, that right. was just because I I had different aspirations and I kind of need fulfillment in other avenues of my life. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm still involved in skating. Still, aside from the the pandemic uh, implications, um, still doing shows and and being a part of the skating world. And I, I foresee that uh, kind of continuing throughout my left, life, uh, being able to give back to the sport and, you know, using it as an outlet uh, for for changes that, wherever I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting because you can look at your, what we call it career, even though it's continuing, but the intense part and the competitive part was, it's sort of over. And I, I'm curious as ways you look back to that and all the things you did, I was looking up, last night and watching you know a bunch of your performances and there's there's a lot even on youtube and there's probably there's probably a bunch that aren't even on youtube right <laughs> and um and there was you just just a ton of them and uh and, and you you have that to look back at your career and say hey like here's some great things is there is there ones that stand out that that you or or one that particularly stands out that was something that you you really look back on as as this incredible well, I definitely, I was blessed to, to have a, a long and um, adventurous career. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, a lot of athletes in my fields don't have uh, a decade of competing at the level that I was. And so I, I do have a, a large um, abundance of programs to, to pick from. But, you know, jumping up in my mind, there's a couple performances that really stand out and I definitely will remember a little bit more vividly than others. Um, one being coming back from an injury that I thought would sideline us for uh, that entire season and would kind of dictate 
a lot going into our, our Olympic season, which would have been our first Olympic season and didn't know really what was going to happen and, and everything kind of spun out of control. And our plans were, were changed immediately with um, Caitlin, my partner, running to the boards, breaking her leg and not being able to skate for a couple of months. And so yeah. figuring out ways to build resilience and pivot and figure out how to overcome those challenges to then compete at the world championships that season in our home country and achieving um, another top five result and getting the the qualification spots that we needed in order to be at uh, the Olympic Games in, in that ne next season. So, you know, that's a moment that I definitely will remember for my entire lifetime. Um, and that's just because it was overcoming those adversities. And it was about what happened beforehand. It wasn't so much about the performance, but what right. it meant to us at that moment. Was that was that the one in London or where was that? Correct. That was the one in, yeah. in London. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I watched part of that and there was this end, you know, this ending part where you could see, I mean, there's always a lot of emotion, I think at the end of a performance, because everyone knows, <laughs> oh man, you got through it. <laughs> that was crazy. But in this one, it was like the fans erupting, like just in a particularly I don't, loud and just right. intense time. And I can like, right. sort of see. Right. right exactly. Yeah. And the, that's the thing that the fans also knew about it and feeling the support from that, uh, that structure was amazing. We got to the competition for our, uh, our first practice, which no one usually shows up for those first practice, but we right. wanted to get out in the competition environment and feel that atmosphere. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. No one else was there, but there was about a dozen fans that had heard that we may or may not be at this <laughs> practice. So they stayed and we stepped on the ice and we got a standing ovation by those 12 audience members for just showing up for that practice. And it was like, that's how it kind of dictated the entire week of how we just had that gratitude for everything that was about to, to happen. Cool. So do you, so kind of, Clearly through all of this, I mean, there's, you're doing so much to build up to this one competition or one. I, I'm curious as to the, the, the work ethic that you need and kind of the, the schedule that you have like in a given day, say, but also sort of over like over a year, I would say like if, if mm -hmm. like how many in, in a typical year when you were going hard and maybe, you know, when you have an Olympic year, it's probably even maybe more intense, but like, what's it like to be uh, I guess, you know, practicing like crazy and it, it, I imagine it just kind of consumes your life and becomes everything or, 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 yeah. or what's it like? Uh, yeah. I mean, so we, we tend to structure our careers in quadrennials. So you're going to have a four year period that you're preparing for those games. And then within that you have a yearly plan, monthly plan, daily plan. So it all breaks down. Yeah. But getting closer and closer to those competition times where you want to peak. Um, I mean, I, I had six days a week on the ice and we're at the rink um, for most days from 7am till 5pm. So you're doing a full-time work job. And then when you go home, you're doing recovery, you're making sure that you eat the proper nutrition and also finding ways to mentally recover and finding your mental space. And then on that off day that you have, you're doing uh, something athletic that's recovery that uh, still allows your body to be in prime shape. So come Monday morning, you're ready to go and repeat the whole 
schedule over and over again. And, yeah. you know, it becomes a little monotonous, but at the same point, it's that monotony that you need to kind of power through to ensure that come the competition at the end of the year, you're ready to go. And it's every day counts. It's every session counts. And it doesn't make a difference if you have huge leaps and bounds. It's about making those small, progressive little changes. Yeah. And I mean, I like that sounds like a full day for me and what stuff that I do, but I'm, I'm sitting most of the time, right? Like, in all <laughs> most people listening to this in the same boat, right? You're, you're not, but you're, you're on your feet, you know, you're on your feet doing, athlete, you know, it just seems like a crazy thing, but I imagine, I guess your body gets used to it. And that's what you're training for is just the almost training for the ability to train um, and to be able to do it. I mean, if your performance is only three to five minutes, that's not hard enough itself, but it's probably the training that just goes, that needs to go into it to make it, uh, right. so that is just so, uh, so intense. Yeah. I mean, there, we, I definitely have spent many nights searching and searching for different recovery techniques and, uh, devices and nutritional supplements and things yeah. like that to make sure that I can continue at the, the same athletic, uh, peak as I want day in, day out, because it, that recovery piece becomes so important because we are on our feet all the time. We are moving, yeah. we are pushing ourselves. And even though four minutes doesn't seem like a lot, you're at your peak heart rate for that entire four minute structure. And you need to make sure that you are at peak performance for that entire thing. Because when it comes to the Olympic games, we're on the ice for a total of about seven minutes. But those seven minutes have been our entire culmination of our career led up to that so you, right everything everything is determined by just that seven minutes yeah do, so, do you do you feel like you've like you've sacrificed something because of like in in or, or missed out on things because you had to dedicate so much to to to, to that or but and i guess the trade-off is obviously you have those moments that no one else has well you know i i don't look at it as any a sacrifice per se you know i look at it as choices that i've made and I, I don't look like, obviously I've missed out on the typical, uh, school and college years and I've missed out on, on things like that. But, um, that's something that I, I don't look as a sacrifice because the amount of experiences and challenges that I've got to face and overcome and just witness throughout my life i know is very unique and has led me into the human i am and will lead me into the future better prepared and better um able to just kind of make a more impactful change uh for the future so, so do you see yourself and i'm wondering how this is going to play into sort of the future and what you want to do but do you see yourself, like what drove you to to do this was it are you just a competitive person did you did you really love the the sport or what was it that that made you really want to succeed well i mean i had started my career wanting to be the best hockey player out there i wanted to be the next gretzky so you know i was kind of on that typical path of a a, a young boy in canada but uh i grew up in a, a figure skating rink and was told by my coach that you need to learn your your skating skills and and figure skaters had the best skills so i went and learned in figure skates in that and kind of just got pulled into the environment but quickly 
found uh, a love and passion for it because of its strange and unique dynamic of, of that art and athleticism. And my competitive nature just pushed me to get better and better and, and never let up um, because I felt like I always had more left in me to give. And yeah. I didn't want to ever take my foot off the gas until I felt fulfilled. I felt like I had given enough of myself to the sport where I, I could leave it in a, in a positive place. What's the most fun part? Like what, what brings you to the most like happiness? In yeah, for me, I think, uh, you know, I, I may be unique in this, but I, I enjoy the daily grind. I enjoy, I enjoy um, overcoming those challenges that I feel like most give up on. Yeah. And so by being faced with adversity, I thrive in that environment to push and overcome that and find ways by either changing my perspective or changing my approach and really figuring out a way to, to overcome those obstacles. And so I find joy in, in achieving those moments. Um, but also the, the joy really comes from the impact that I feel from the audience and the fans and the people that support us along the journey. Yeah. So the ones that are giving to us along those uh, daily training um, moments and at competitions and things like that. And to be able to give a performance where I feel that I've connected with them on a different level because I've been able to achieve excellence in, in whatever way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Is, is it annoying to have to be perfect when you're doing this sort of stuff? I mean, it, <laughs> like, it just seems like, because you're very, you know, you're, you're, you're like, it's, you're very good. Like all the performance that I saw, you're just like, like they're, they're fantastic, but you get judged on like the smallest thing that you, you, you right. I, I guess, like, I don't, I can't see it. Like whenever I watch it, I actually think everyone is all very good and I, I would be a terrible judge um, <laughs> because I just, I'm like, oh, that was great. Or they seem like they were into yeah. it. Oh, I really like that. And it's these little tiny things that no one can ever really see. I don't know. I just feel like it must be frustrating because you may put out this amazing performance that you think is great. And you, you maybe, you maybe mm -hmm. even you don't notice what the thing was that, that, that the judges saw or, or something like that. Is it, is it does that, is that a, I, I don't know, I'm curious if that's a frustrating yeah. part. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely, you, you, you can't, you can push yourself towards perfection, but you're never going to be able to achieve it. Yeah. And especially in a sport that's dictated by like judgment and opinion, like it, it can bring you down very quickly if you allow it to, you know, it's, it's trying to just be empathetic and open to what their opinions are, but realize at the end of the day of what your why is, what's the reason you're doing it for. And if you're doing it for um, acceptance and you're doing it for the, the, the need to be told that you're amazing, then you're never going to get, far in that you yeah. have to kind of do it for your true authentic reasons and just live by that because humans don't like to be judged especially negatively judged and that's going to happen in sport especially in in a aesthetic sport like figure skating so you're going to get told that you suck you're going to get told that this edge was off or that turn looked horrible or your idea is horrible but you have to be confident in that you bringing your best self there day in, day out, 
And if they don't like it, then that's, that's okay. They just, they don't like that version, but that's fine. That doesn't mean you're horrible. It just means that, you know, you just didn't bring what they were looking for that day. So is it mostly, do you then kind of compare yourself internally? Like, do you say, do you then try to motivate yourself by saying, Hey, we did this last time and I'm working on this particular component this time. I'm just curious as to, yeah. in, in hmm. like you said, it's, it's, it's in yourself and being happy. So like, what would make you happy with a particular performance or, or where, what would yeah. create a situation where you'd be disappointed? Right. I mean, well, the, the, the person who judges judges the hardest is definitely myself. So, you yeah. know, if I, if I'm able to please myself, then that's going to be a good day, but you know, it's trying to be a little bit more um, aware uh, of what my goals and intentions were going into the season, going into the, that competition and just having it either written down or just having it in my head just so I know that beforehand. And then using that as kind of the barometer moving forward is do I feel good with that? And if I don't, what do I need to change? What do I need to, to pivot in order to make sure that I don't repeat that same scenario again? Because for me, it's about continual growth. So right. if I feel like I've at least grown in a little bit in one avenue, then I feel like I've at least achieved something because at the end of the day, it's not about being perfect. It's about kind of being a little bit better and a little bit better and a little better. And then all of a sudden you're on top of the world because you've just achieved those little moments bit by bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I, I can see that. I mean, I, 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 even in stuff that, that I do, right? like I'm a parent and parenting, you're, that's kind of the case where you're like, I screwed up this one, but I think I'm getting better. Like it's always got to be that, um, right. if you judge yourself on, on the kid, you know, being the happiest kid ever or the most successful or whatever it is, you're just going to be disappointed ultimately because <laughs> right. what is that? What does that even mean? Um, but if you can, if you can find it in, and, and, and with any job, I think too, when you're looking at, uh, at your career, obviously you're not going to do the perfect job either. I think when we're all, we're right. all trying to achieve X, Y, Z, um, you're just trying to, okay, how can I learn from the mistakes I made and be better? And I think we can all. Right. Yeah. We're all, we're I all humans. We can't learn for, we can't, uh, just learn only from external validation. You, know, you yeah. have to kind of just everyone's on their own path and journey and, and whether they excel immediately or they don't, you know, it's, it's as long as you continue to grow or at least to challenge yourself to be better, then that's all you can really ask for because, yeah. you know, it, you can't just give up right away. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Do you get, I mean, how, how nervous do you get before a, uh, yeah, yeah. You prefer you have to go, go on the. Uh -huh. Well, for me, my nerves uh, are usually directly correlated to my preparedness. So okay. if I feel like the training up to that competition has gone, it won't ever go to according to plan, but at least loosely according to plan. And I felt like I, we've done what we've needed in order to to step on the ice and feel confident that whether they like the program or not at least it will be trained and i can execute it with a sense of freedom yeah because when you're competing you don't want to be thinking through the program you kind of want to just let your body and your your mind well you want to quiet your mind and let your body kind of take over and just have it just be because you're already at a heightened level in those moments where 
things can go awry very quickly and you don't have a time to really adjust that or think about what's going to happen or this is going to go wrong or this is going to go wrong. You just have to kind of let it be in your mind. And, and, and I think that's true. With all, I can think of all the big presentations that I've done. Um, and there's probably something similar where if you, if you, if you know, you've done everything and done all the back work and you're as smart on this topic as anyone, um, then, then that's all you can do. And you can't, you're going to be probably less nervous than something that you, uh, that you, you, you crammed all night the night before. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, but, uh, interesting. Well, what, before we sort of shift gears onto the, um, onto the sort of what you're doing next thing, I wanted to ask about your Olympic experience. Cause I know there was a lot of things I could ask, but I, I maybe I'll just throw it out there. Like what was to you, what do the Olympics mean? And what, what, what was your sort of Olympic experience? You went, you went twice. What yeah. Was, the, what was it? The Olympics, the Olympics was, well, they were different both times. They were very different. And uh, the, f- the first time was kind of that realization of that childhood dream of yeah. wanting to be able to, to step out on that international stage with that flag on your back, knowing that you're representing more than yourself. And it was the culmination of all those early mornings at the rink and pushing yourself and just feeling like you um, had achieved something that was uh, beyond what you thought was possible when you were 10 years old. Yeah. And so it was that, that pure joy and elation of just of being there and knowing that you belong amongst the, the best in the world and just feeling excitement and, and yeah, I, I would just uh, equate it to just pure excitement and happiness to be able to represent an amazing country and have that on the international stage and just know that you had achieved some sort of um, greatness in its own little way. Um, the second time I went was kind of that validation that it wasn't a fluke <laughs> and <laughs> wasn't a mistake feeling, that they, yeah, first right, time exactly yeah. i didn't just like make it in on by hacking things. You know, Technicality. Like I, I, yeah i was i meant to be there and yeah. i felt like you know it was it was my opportunity to try to um push myself to to make it even more impactful for others you know it was and being there to to show others what hard work and dedication can get you um and also use it as a stage to to create conversations or to help create connections with people that are looking for um greatness to be displayed in front of them because i feel like sport brings humans together it brings connections it brings uh, motivation and experiences that, uh, are unique only to sport. And so that, uh, that second games was kind of my realization of that and just celebrating that and having fun with it. You kind of forget what it's like. And it's just, it really is this, the topic of conversation everywhere for two weeks. And it is just 
incredible thing. Um, and uh, I did I did get to go to Vancouver as a spectator to watch uh, in uh, I guess it was 2010 when that that happened. And you could just like it just it transforms everything. Like it just changes and it's around. Right. Us. So it does really have this this crazy ability to uh, to bring people together and. It, it's, it is yeah, kind of like funny, it, though, being at the games and almost feeling like like I've been at bigger competitions. I've been at bigger events when it comes to the actual spectators and the feeling within the rink itself. Yeah. But as soon as you step out of the rink and you see the amount of people around and in the village and, and things like that, you feel like you're a part of that community that is only created within the games. Yeah. So that's cool to be able to go to the cafeteria and be amongst the the hockey players or the losers and the curlers and things like that. So it's like cool to have that dynamic and to be able to have conversations with people that come from very different sport backgrounds, different life backgrounds, but all have that common thread of dedication to one thing and willing to give up everything for those years to make sure that they were ready and at their peak for that moment. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so, uh, how did you, when did you kind of come to the realization that you wanted to do uh, something else or that you were having a career beyond, um, mm-hmm. figure skating? Does that, was that something you always knew or did that come about more, you know, later, later on? I can't imagine you're at the Olympics thinking that, um, <laughs> you know, but like when, when did it kind of, when did you realize that you, you want to do something else? Well, for me, you know, I, I've lived, uh, quite a long career within skating and I always knew that I wanted to do something else and yeah. that was coming. And I, I knew that skating was never going to last forever. Um, it was just the, the thought of when, when that was going to be. And about two years ago, I was just in a training day. And, and for the first moment, I kind of felt like I was fulfilled in a moment and empty in a different moment. So I was, I kind of felt like I was fulfilled in the, my aspirations within what I needed uh, from the competitive avenue of the sport, but empty in the growth that I was feeling as an individual. And I felt like I needed to explore who I was a little bit more beyond sport because I had been in it for so long that I started to almost get myself lost in sport. And I knew I was wanting to achieve more than just be an Olympic athlete. I don't, I don't want that to be my, my only achievement in life. I want that to be a part of me, but not all of me. So it's, it was time for me to kind of look beyond that and see where my curiosity was taking me and where that would, uh, would take me into my next career that would kind of be working alongside my athletic career for the time being. And then ultimately transitioning solely into into that new venture that new area of my life so did you kind of know what that would be or did you just know and have a feeling that it would that there was something different that was missing or that you needed to do but you weren't sure sure what uh for me it was i a complete unknown you know and and that was scary as heck because i felt like i didn't know 
who I was or where I needed to start or anything like that. And I started to have conversations with advisors of mine and started to just talk. And I realized through a lot of the conversations, people are just like, oh my God, we, we envy you because you have like all these options. There's so many options. The world's free to you. And I, that was both an empowering and scary moment because I realized, okay, that now I have all these options, but at the same point, where do I start? Like, where do I go from here? You know? So <laughs> yeah. it became, it became a, a starting point for like self-discovery and figuring out who I was and what my value was to the world, but also what I wanted my purpose and driving factor to be moving forward. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've gone through similar where I, and it was, it's interesting. Um, people are going to make fun of me after this for to drawing these parallels, but, um, but just you, you strive for one thing your whole life. It's kind of this, you know, you did it. I was sort of in the same boat where you're, you're in school, you're studying, you're trying to get this job. I got it. I, I was doing it for a while and then reach a certain point where you say, okay, like I could do that forever and, and kind of, but I think there's something more, but not knowing what it is. And, and then trying to go on this, this journey, I guess, to figure out what it might be next. And, and I don't know, for me, it was kind of this um, feeling that I only had one life and that I wanted to take advantage of it and, and make sure that mm-hmm. I didn't miss something that I, I really wanted to do or that if I, you know, looked back on it that I said, Hey, I, I did that. And I got that experience and I got, did this and I got that experience. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like it's that, that, does that resonate? That's kind of a similar feeling that yeah, you have. For, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I felt like, you know, like I, I achieved a lot in, in sports and athletics, but it, I kind of got, I got what I needed out of it. And although I want to continue to give back to the sport, I feel like it's time for me to, to look elsewhere and see what else there is out there because I know I'm unhappy with other aspects of the world and I feel like I can make an impact somewhere. And so I want to use what I've learned through my life and give to some other avenue where I can innovate or, or create and just learn. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm curious by nature and so I think that curiosity is what took me to a new direction and just that sense of this can't be everything because I don't want to be just this for the rest of my life. You know, it's, yeah. this, this, this can't be all. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, uh, like you didn't do the traditional, Hey, I finished high school now I'm going to university thing, <laughs> but you are sort of doing it now. So you're back, uh, you're back in, you're back in school, right? Correct. Yeah. I, I did. Um, I did start my undergrad then took a break because okay. it was of all the travels. And then I finished my undergrad and then realized there was a couple courses from my undergrad that I really enjoyed, but the, the actual degree that I uh, obtained the, it was an undergrad in biomedical science was not the direction that I actually wanted to pursue completely. Yeah. And so now I'm in a, a master's program at, at Smith. Um, trying to to get back to what I feel my direction could be. So what, I guess, um, and it sounds like you're, you're hedging, you're not totally hundred percent sure that it's, it's, it's exactly where you, where you might may end up, but, mm-hmm. um, but what, I mean, how did you, how did you get here? How did you decide? Um, it was a process that you 
chose, I guess, to, to or, or sort of used to pick this, uh, this program and, and try to sort of trudge along the current path that you're, that you're right. going towards. Right. Well, so I kind of just did the go out and have conversations and just do things, you know, it was, it was the, the process of elimination in a, in a way is I went to all the networking meetings I could to Norge, just talk to the people and, and figure out their reasons and figure out who and, and talking to them whose uh, ideas or purposes or, or things like that kind of resonated with me and figure out why that was and and take part in internships and figure out do I feel like I belong in this community and from that I found uh, the innovation program at, at Smith because it it truly helped me help me find those values that I, I felt like I, I needed because I want to make a difference. I want to make a, a social impact, but I, I know that I can't do that within the same norms and structures that are happening now because I don't find that the way that life is developing is completely 100% positive. So I want to make sure that I, I make that impact, but I also know the value of of the technical skills of, of a master's program with business backgrounds and understanding what that is and the driving forces behind that. And so just kind of figuring out what all assimilated those values and structures properly um, is kind of what got me to the point of being back at school, getting those technical skills, but at the same point, also delving into the, the financial sector and kind of finding the avenues and values that uh, that I see that align with with all those structures as well. Yeah. So is it um, so? It's a uh, is it a two year pro two year program or one year program we're in right now? Uh, it's or, a it's a one year program. So one year program. It's a, yeah, it's a Masters of Innovation Entrepreneurship. Um, so it's a one year program that delves on um kind of disruptive technologies and innovations and lean startups and and things like that that kind of will change the the total environment of of the business world moving forward yeah so it's kind of um i think in our conversations i mean you you have a a sort of passion i guess for sustainability in some respect and it sounds like that's in our kind of conversation before is sort of where you're headed and so the 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 thought is i think with this program that it will take you towards like you mentioned the the technical skills of trying to figure out okay well how do i do that if i want to have an impact and 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 do things that i think help help the world rather than just about making money um is Mm. but but tying the two together because obviously that can be a great motivator um, and, and, and so is that, that's kind of, and that's the idea I think with the, with the program, right? Right. Exactly. For me, the end goal is, is being able to, to create sustainability and impact, but make it financially viable and make it so that, um, people want to invest in, in that type of future instead of walking away from it because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and there are lots of problems, I guess, in that, in that, right. Where, where we picked a lot, I mean, 
oil is an interesting example where you say, hey, this was the easiest way. It, it, it advanced us in so many ways, but but there is this problem. Um, and so right. let's try to uh, let, let's try to solve it. Um, but there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those types of ones that and there are you know, a ton of technologies out there that are trying to achieve that. And what I do think is interesting is we finally seem to have, because I've been involved a lot in this type of stuff, we finally seem to have people, consumers sort of behind that, where in, in past history, we never really, it was always just about, I, I'm, what can I do to get my family by? And, and whatever. now we're sort of mm-hmm. at this point of saying, okay, well, you know what, I'm kind of worried about what's going to happen to the earth and the environment and all the crazy garbage and global warming right. and, and, and so forth. So have you, maybe you're relatively new into it. Is there a, like, what are the skills that you need then to, <laughs> to, to sort of do that? I'm, I'm actually curious from a, cause that was not a thing when I, when, when I sort of graduated and did sort of the business thing, it was, it was very right. much like learn accounting, learn marketing, learn, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but this is a master's program and you really get to, to, just dial in, I guess. Um, is right. it, is it, does it actually get into that type of stuff? And is that the? Yeah, it, it gets into that type of stuff. The things that are exciting me the most currently is is delving into the kind of the minimum viable product aspects of things and figuring out what the problems are out there and the solutions that really make sense to then test it and figure. it out and figure out what the consumer actually wants and needs that align with your your social development goals and trying to understand what what problem you're trying to fix that will actually um, create uh, a scalable and um, sustainable business moving forward. And so it's just really trying to hone those skills hone those like sprint processes and and those ideation processes to make sure that you're creating a business that can follow the flow and um and truly have the impact that uh you want moving forward yeah nice okay yeah and i guess i guess um uh, like you kind of I think it's a great thing, actually, <laughs> that that, um, that there are people and that that is a is a program because I think there are uh, there's a lot of gaps I think in doing that and almost in tying it into entrepreneurship is is probably a positive because a lot of this stuff is is kind of new <laughs> and there right. aren't there, you right. know there may may not be a whole lot of companies in that and we sort of have to create them. Is there yeah, a way? That, yeah, is there a way to do that? Is that is that? No, I mean, there definitely is. And the thing that's great about it, it's not just about entrepreneurship, but it's also about entrepreneurship too. So it's about innovating within large companies that are already established to create change. Because as you said, like people have kind of shifted their focus a little bit more towards um, sustainability just because they see the way that um, humans have had a, a negative impact on the the world and the climate and it's becoming more and more of a concern. And I think people are starting to get more interested in different solutions because it's really questioning the, in the same way that I question like, why am I just an athlete? I can do another thing. I can look at it from another perspective. It's okay. We've been, We've been banking this way. We've been driving this way. We've been doing this way for so long. It doesn't have to be the same 
for the rest of the future. Like, why can't we do it a different way? What what other solutions are out there that actually make more sense for everybody? It's like, well, we've always right. done it this way for a reason, um, but doesn't necessarily have to be. And we're, we're talking in the abstract, but there's a ton of um, examples. I'm in the food world, but it's just, you know, there's a ton of examples of, say, you know, well, we've always used this this type of packaging or this container. People are used, uh, people yeah, are used, people are used to it, so we always use it. Yeah. Like, well, uh, yeah, but you don't need to. <laughs> it's like right, exactly. The, um, the whole packaging thing is that's a big <laughs> pain point for me because I just feel like that's that's such a, a solution that could be easily overcome if people just looked at it from a different perspective. But it's right. also hard because people are used to one way, and how do you change that and create? an economy that wants to embrace that fully. Exactly. So. And, 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 and I think that also properly re rewards, I mean, I'm, I'm a, a hobbyist economics nerd and um, you know, how do you reward the right things? If, if the, if the financial incentives aren't there, right. And if it's just, if no one cares about the garbage, then all right, fine. Some of these other ways are the best way to do it. But if you, if there's a cost to it, cause there is, there's a cost to hurting right. the environment and, and doing all this damage, and and if we if, mm -hmm. we if we if we recognize that, then then you can kind of get a balance, and you can figure out what is the right way to do it. But if you don't, and you just say, oh, I don't care about the garbage, nobody cares about the garbage, there's no cost, to right? It, and uh, then yeah, okay, fine, just create as much as you want. And <laughs> right, the, 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 I think the the biggest problem is that that cost doesn't show up on quarterly statements. That, yeah, you know, yeah. it's climate change is such a a slow process in terms of the human timeline you know people don't see that um whereas you know shareholders see income and revenue and all that other stuff on a daily weekly monthly basis so it's easy for them to see those numbers where they can't see the 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 value cost of saving the environment <laughs> exactly so that's what this is what we're trying this is what we're trying to do is is create a find a situation where we can do that and uh, <laughs> and and show it, I think. And and there are, I think, I think we're making strides. It just it just we have such a long way to go um, to to really get to really get there. So it, anyways, it is it is a, I think it's a positive thing and, and a cool thing that you're doing um, to try to, to to go along that path. Was there was there a particular role model or or company you saw or something that sort of inspired you? You know, along your talk to everyone crusade. Um, you know, it was it was talking to a couple of my athlete mentors and just realizing like I just need to be okay just going out there and kind of doing things that scare me scare me constantly you know and it was yeah. just kind of overcoming those fears that I and that resilience that I built up through my athletic career to just walk into a room of people that I had no knowledge or expertise in and just just have conversations and figure out from there okay what what um can i offer them and it was more about offering them uh information or, or background or, or things like that that really helped me learn from them because by me being able to to be empathetic to who they were and why they are the way they are um it allowed me to then kind of self-reflect and figure out okay what do i really want and need from my perspective and what I want to create in my world moving forward. Yeah. Do you ever worry that in the future, you know, you, you spend all this time, you, you get a job, um, you, you're, you're doing this exact thing that you, that you trained for. And then people don't see you as that seriously. They see you as, as, as a guy on, you know, out of the blades or, or mm -hmm. something else like that. They, 
I don't know. Yeah. Just. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, there, there is that like people won't take me seriously and they won't uh, understand how um, dedicated or true I am to, to my vision, but that's okay because I can't control other people's opinions, you know, and that's, it comes down to the same thing with my sport. It's like, I can't control people that are going to judge me one way or the other. I just kind of have to, to stick to what I know is true and lead with that because at the end of the day, the person who matters the most and the person at the kind of, uh, um, face at the end of the day is myself. So I have to make sure that I just move forward and, and be okay with, with maybe not being the top of the world. Like I was at one point, you know, it's like, it's, it's okay with that. I just have to work for that. And it's about continually ideating and figuring out a new way of living and learning and leading with that curiosity so that I can always grow moving forward. Yeah. Like, and I think it's whenever you do something new and had any success or did anything for a while before and try to do something different, you're, it's going to be hard. You're going to have that. I think like, I, I definitely felt that when switching gears, I was in finance for a long time and then switched out of it to go into the restaurant world, which everyone would say is, uh, is ridiculous. Um, but... Well, I applaud you for that. <laughs> I applaud you for that because I wanted to get in the restaurant world and I'm not there yet. So, you know, maybe I'm, I'm the one that's more fearful than you. So yeah, you have... I, but you just kind of eventually kind of have to do it. And I was even afraid um, a lot to, to tell anyone to, 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 to mention that, especially to say on LinkedIn or to people that I worked with or, you know, just to, to say that, Oh yeah, I'm going to go do this. Um, and it was just, you know, I could do it to my friends and family who I knew wouldn't judge me the same way, but it was hard, I think, to do it otherwise. And it's just, and, and I think, yeah, it's just the thing, anything that you do new, you have to, but if you, if you know you want it and you know that you can do it, then you just have to ultimately try. And I think, uh, anyway, I think that your advice there is wise. Um, and that it, it really just matters w- whether you're doing the thing that you, you want to do and whatever, you can always go back. Like you can always, um, right. Exactly. Right. Like it's kind of just, it's being okay with like, okay, if that doesn't work. It's that's fine. Yeah. The, you know, if the, the thing that I, and it, <clears throat> this maybe just cause I, I go over to Japan a lot. There was, there's this one premise called uh, Ikigai, which is just kind of finding your purpose. And it's just about, it's a, it's a mind map of figuring out who you are, your passion, your mission, uh, what you want to give to the world in terms of your like vocation and your profession, and just trying to figure out what your purpose is as, as a whole structure and just yeah. living by that and living what that, that looks like as a, as a visual for yourself to then move forward. So that was something that is kind of leading me uh moving forward because i think it's good to have some sort of beacon you know i and maybe that's just because i've had a beacon in a way in my life because you know growing up being at the olympics was always a clear set goal so it was having some sort of tangible goal that was in the future to live towards i think helped me and so yeah. it was now creating a new and different type of tangible goal that's more life focused and then figuring out how to get there. And it sounds like you're kind of in that right now and trying to figure out what the goal is probably right. As you're, as you're looking right. at, okay, I, I need to, 
because usually school is a good place for that where you're saying, okay, there's a bunch of things I can do, but how can mm-hmm. I, um, and so do you, do you know any, any of the, and the pieces, the pieces of the goal, I, <laughs> here are some of the things that I would want to yeah. achieve if, if I kind of do this for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's, it's changing monthly, daily all the time, but, um, <clears throat> one of the definitely the avenues that I've been focusing some of my efforts are towards impact investments and towards the financials of, of investing in companies and, and ways to create uh, sustainable and social good. And so it's just figuring out ways to either create like that definable um, and measurable um, view for investors and for, for people to, to really see the the impact um, changing something like packaging for food could be, you know, and it's like what that looks like and, and all these other things. And so it's just trying to figure out that avenue. And obviously there's companies out there that are doing that and just figuring out, do I fit within those? Or is there another company that really uh, aligns with my, my values? And that's kind of where I'm at right now, but who knows? Is there anything then you think that would really from your your past in in the skating world that will will sort of help you or, or that you can use to take it that you can take advantage of or use or or build upon um, that uh, that will you think really help in in trying to achieve I think your goals and what you're trying to trying to do now. Um, you know, I I've definitely developed a lot of soft skills uh, along my career and just especially when it comes to that uh, resilience piece and being able to to pivot and transition constantly when you're getting pushback or if things don't go your way and, and it's finding different uh, perspectives or different ways to, to look at the problem um, and find solutions. You know, I think that will be an asset for me moving forward. And, and just also the, that dedication piece of I'm okay to, to, you know, put my nose to the grindstone and, and just work in day in, day out to, to push through those, those problems. Cause sometimes it just takes that dedication to that goal to really, um, excel. And I, I think that's something that I've obviously lived my life through my uh, athletic career and I'm kind of going to push forward and, and use that moving forward into my, uh, my next career, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I see so many parallels actually in, in terms of the things you need and the things that are important and the things you can't teach that, um, that you can gain, I think throughout, I think so much, we all think of them as separate, right? <laughs> Sport is so different than the working world or the finance world or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, there are a lot of these other yeah, soft skills, random skills that, um, as a guy I, I interviewed and, and worked with a lot of people and you just, there's certain things you can't teach. And, um, and some of that of connecting people and, and the social skills and just knowing what to say and, and all those sorts of things. You just, again, you can't teach them. And so having that, in right. to it, it's easy to learn the, how do you, how do you raise money for this? Or how do you, um, you know, yeah, what are the those, coolest those are, ways for that? Like, you know? Yeah. Those are the easy things you can, you can learn those in school. You can learn that by reading a book, like those technical little knowledge bits yeah. are easy to learn 
by just digesting information. But it, those soft skills, I think, are are things that you you don't develop until you're actually experiencing them, and you just kind of find your own way because they're all unique. And I think that's what I've kind of spent my entire sport career developing. And I'm hoping to obviously utilize all I can moving forward. Yeah. I'm, and I'm excited. Like, I'm excited to see what you do with it. I, I think I, it, it's exciting because you see, you see these, uh, uh, your, your goals and your plans and it's just, uh, it's fun to see actually someone embarking on something, something new, um, at any age really. And, and, and getting out there and, and yeah, with your skills, I mean, uh, it, it, yeah, it's just exciting. I think so. Um, I appreciate you sharing them, uh, with us and my, and my audience as well. And if there's, uh, you know, I think we'll, try to keep in touch and, and see, see sort of where you take it. And, and hopefully when you graduate and, and whatever you do next, uh, it would be awesome. Um, do, do you have any, know if I'm helpful whatsoever, but <laughs> questions for me about, I never do this. I never throw it back to, to my guests, but I do it in this one <laughs> yeah. case. Um, just because this is an area you're actually coming into my yeah. zone, the finance right. and the, the, uh, the, the Bay street kind of, uh, and maybe even sustainability world. I've, I've been, I've right. been in those for a little bit. Um, any, any random question for me? Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, the, the, the main question is why did you choose finance in the first place and why are you not in it now? Like what, what was your, your aha moment that you wanted to be in finance? And then what was the aha moment that you realized this is where you don't want to live the rest of your life? Um, you know what? I, I I think the challenge was I didn't know. I was too young, and and when I was in high school, you just sort of have to decide, and then in university, you just sort of have to decide. And I just and I kind of stumbled upon finance and liked it, and liked the people. I thought when I finally I had never it was this new thing. I I randomly got a job in finance and stumbled upon it, and I just I I, I admired the people that I worked with. I, I I said, hey, you seem really smart. I want to do this, and I stuck with it. And even when I started a career in, in investment banking, I, I kind of had the same view. I, I, I wanted to do it while I was learning stuff. And I just kind of kept learning stuff. And I thought I would stop. I kind of thought after two or three years, I would know everything. But then I didn't. And I just kind of kept going. But then what happened was, <laughs> okay. but then what happened was um, I, uh, there was some part of me that said, hey, I, I've done this for a long time. And I, I want to see what else is out there. I feel restricted in a lot of ways. I felt like I there was more out there in the world and I didn't want to look back on everything, <laughs> you know, like my life when I was right. 60 or something and say, Hey, I, I, I didn't try this or I didn't try that. There's just so many things. And, and, and I, mm-hmm. I, I felt like after I, I, I was really, it was a big thing when I hit the 10 year mark. It's like, Hey, I've been on in, working in investment banking for 10 years. And I was just like, Oh man, right. that's, that's, a, that's so much longer than I ever had imagined. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, for me, I mean, it was kind of like, I, 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 I had consulted people and I had told people what to do for so long, but I'd never actually done it. Um, and so I said, Hey, I really, I've always wanted to own my own business and, and get into that world. And to me, like that's my Olympics. My Olympics is, mm-hmm. is, is being the the CEO or creating a company that actually has, has impact or changes people or impacts them or in mm-hmm. some way. And I, I don't feel like I'm there yet. But mm-hmm. I am, I'm, that's sort of what I'm striving for. And I, I, I don't even know <laughs> if the business that I'm working on now is that one. But um, it, I get so much more joy out of trying to achieve this and getting closer to that, that kind of goal than, than I did before because I feel, felt like I had sort of achieved that. 
um, in many ways. And so that's sort of what I'm striving for now. So, um, All right. well, you did, you did the scariest thing and that was just to, to take that first step and, and commit to actually creating something because a lot of people talk about it and talk about it and they think that they have all the solutions, but few actually just go out and do it. So I applaud you it, for that. It, it is incredibly hard, incredibly nerve wracking. Uh, and in some ways took me, yeah, it took me 11 years to, to, <laughs> to do it um, in many ways, but I don't, I don't regret where I came from and what I, what the decisions I chose. It's just at a certain point you realize, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta, if I, if, I got to find the courage to do it. It's kind of the, 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 the thing. Otherwise I never will. So um, mm -hmm. it, it sort of happened. And you, you felt like you couldn't make that impact within the, the financial sector or was it just because you wanted to create something yourself from scratch uh, from your mind? Yeah, both actually. Um, but I also feel like I will ultimately go back to the financial sector um, and my impact will be greater having done this tangent mm. I, okay. I, it's one of those things and I, I you know you have a an expertise and so uh like you right you, you you're really good you have all the connections if you want to do something in the skating world like it, it, it it's probably you know you all it's always there you can always try to find something that is there for you um but by going and finding a bunch of other things to do and and i just I, yeah i'm in the zone totally of, of trying to learn new skills and do different things. Um, and, uh, and I feel like if, and when I go back to the world of finance, I'll have that much more of a, of an impact. Yeah. If, if I, uh, if, if I'm on the current path, but I honestly, like I, who knows, like I, it's, it's, it's kind of, a, it's, it's, a, it's big adventure. Like it's honestly a big adventure that I'm in the middle of right now. So, right. Well, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see how the adventure ends <laughs> or continues. Me too. Me too. Yeah, 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 totally. So, well, I appreciate it, and um, maybe I'll have to get my guests to ask more more questions of me um, every, every once in a while. <laughs> but I appreciate it; it was a good one, and uh, and thanks a lot for for being on the podcast. And uh, at best of luck in, in in finishing and and what you do next. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was uh, definitely a pleasure to to chat about all this. So thank you so much for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a really fun one to have because I got to ask all these athletic olympic related questions and things that i that i wanted but also relate back to me so thanks for listening and if you know anyone that you think might be interested in being a guest on my podcast please let me know you can go to lifetime at work.com and there you can you can get in contact with me there and, and suggest them i'm always looking for new people to meet and new guests to have so with that until next time don't worry be happy be happy